Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here today. I'm going to be talking about the Bills-Titans Monday night game, as long as the as well as the Eagles-Vikings. Then Cole Beasley signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How significant is that for them? And then I'm going to get into my top 10 NFL teams through week two. And if you can already believe it, we are a quarter of the way done with the college football season. I look at my preseason predictions and how I'm stacking up uh, so far with what the AP poll has and other notes from college football. And then I'm going to finish up with the Dennis Schroeder returning to the Lakers. How will this help the Lakers at all? Let's get into it. Starting with the Bills and the Titans. Yesterday, the Bills absolutely demolished the Titans. I picked the Titans, and, you know, I was, you know, half of it was based on what I saw last week. They had room for improvement. The other half was, you know, I thought Derrick Henry could get it going against his Buffalo defense, uh, maybe keep it close. And, you know, if I, you know, I look like a genius if Tennessee wins that game, kind of like I did last week when the majority of the people picked Buffalo. However, this one, I was dead wrong. I'll admit it. I was upset. This is my only loss for a primetime game so far this year in the NFL. So that bums me out. And the Bills played absolutely great. Uh, They did nothing wrong. Uh, And I think the frustrating thing with me after picking Tennessee, you know, Buffalo kind of marches down there. You know, great opening drive. You know, how are the Titans going to respond? And the Titans respond with a similar drive of their own. Derrick Henry is able to, you know, get involved. Uh, The play-action pass as well. Ryan Tannehill's, you know, throwing some good passes. They go for it on fourth and one, you know, at the two-yard line. Derrick Henry runs it in for a touchdown. And I think if Tennessee can replicate that drive, You know, I could be in business and the Titans could be in business. But Buffalo then scores 34 unanswered points. And it's not like Tennessee doesn't have their shots. The ensuing drive after the Buffalo, or after the Tennessee touchdown, you know, Buffalo's driving again, and it's fourth and one. And the Tennessee defense comes up with a huge stop. And, I'm, you know, the momentum has shifted to the Tennessee side. Derrick Henry is able to get some yards. Uh, a, you know, a penalty uh, causes Tennessee to get the first down. Uh, but then they start going backwards. It's, you know, to me, it's weird. It's, you know, Ryan Tannehill sacked. And then you put Hassan Haskins in to run the football instead of Derrick Henry, which I thought was weird. But they still got the first down on third and 14, Traylon Burks. Great. Uh, and then, you know, Penalties on the offensive line holding causes the drive to stall out. You know, then after that, it's Buffalo field goal, Tennessee punt, Buffalo touchdown. They get the fourth and one or, yeah, fourth and one for a touchdown. Uh, And then the second half, uh, they just roll along as well. Buffalo opens with a touchdown. Uh, They had a pick six, another touchdown. I mean, 
Ryan Tannehill throwing two interceptions, looking like an absolute chump. And Josh Allen is balling out. Stephon Diggs, excellent. 12 receptions, 148 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, This Buffalo offense, it's just electric. They were missing Gabe Davis as well. And Josh Allen was spectacular. A QBR of 88, a passer rating of 129, you know, four touchdowns, 317 yards. James Cook was their leading rusher. Josh Allen had one run, and that run, you know, was great. Like I said, Stephon Diggs was, you know, the main culprit receiving. He was great. Ryan Tannehill, on the other hand, on the other hand, was just poor. QBR of 16. Two sacks for 16 yards, 117 total throwing yards. Uh, they abandoned Derrick Henry early. He really didn't get it going. His team was overmatched uh, from the beginning. Uh, Buffalo ran 12 more plays and had, you know, almost 250 more total yards. 414 for Buffalo. Tennessee couldn't even get to 200. 187. Uh, and that's Buffalo just going three for five in the red zone as well. Tennessee, four turnovers, two interceptions uh, by Tannehill, uh, two fumbles lost as well uh, by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, one of those being Malik Willis, uh, the backup quarterback who came in. Uh, the other being Phillips off a muffed punt. Armani Hooker muffed a punt as well. Uh, that one was recovered by the Titans, but Tennessee could do absolutely nothing right after the first drive. And Buffalo looks like world champions already look like they're on a mission. And when I see this team now, you know, I was worried about a little Buffalo letdown after the first week. And I don't know if they're to have any letdowns like they did last year. Last year, they had quite a few letdowns. Uh, I don't know if I see that being the case this year. I think Buffalo could easily be the favorite in every game. You know, my prediction for them was 13-4. and four. That's looking really good, and I think it could be higher than that. They could be 14-3 and three or 15-2. and two. I mean, I look at the Buffalo schedule, and I realistically don't know who they're going to lose to because Josh Allen is going to be, you know, the better quarterback in almost – Every matchup, the defense is great. It's going to be better than any defense they face. Uh, I just don't see how Buffalo loses. Yes, they still got two divisional games against the Dolphins. uh, But the Bills have had a Dolphins number the past two years. I think the Dolphins will be a little differently. But I don't expect the Bills to lose to the Dolphins. Uh, Bills and Ravens, Josh Allen is right now in terms of a pocket thrower in his awareness and how he just navigates pre-snap, it's it's clearly better than Lamar Jackson. The Bills' defense is better than the Ravens. Uh, the Chiefs will be an entertaining game, but I think that's going to have Bills' revenge right in all over that. I think Patrick Mahomes and the offense can try to keep up, but I do not think that the Chiefs' defense will have an answer for Josh Allen, I don't, uh, they may get a bye, and then they play 
uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but that's a Sunday night game in Orchard Park in Buffalo. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will play great, but again, they have those two games sandwiched back-to-back with a bye week, and that's it. Vikings-Bills, don't see that being close. Bills-Lions, Bills-Jets, you know, when they play the Jets twice. Uh, Patriots now, I don't know about. Bears and then the Bengals, I thought the Bengals were going to be a little better, but if I'm the Bills, this is looking really good if you're a Bills fan. Uh, there is reason to rejoice because, you know, I think the only way that the Bills lose is if they beat themselves up, if it's by penalties, uh, you know, or dumb mistakes or turnovers, it's going to be because they beat themselves. It's not because, you know, Vikings come in and Kirk Cousins has a great game and outduels Josh Allen. That's not going to be the case. It's, the Bills are going to lose games this year. Uh, because of self-inflicted wounds like turnovers and penalties or maybe uh, bad game management. But it's not going to be because another team just handed it uh, to the Bills. The Bills are legit. They're real. And they're reason why, that's the reason why I picked the Bills to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. But now on the flip side, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they'll start 0-2, and this division here, the AFC South, looks like the worst division in football. Uh, we used to make fun of the NFC East, the NFC least, but Philly looks like a legit team. The Giants are 2-0, and the Cowboys with Cooper Rush got a win. Uh, they don't none know what every team in that division has a win. You look at the AFC South, Houston, Indy, and Tennessee do not have a win in Jacksonville is the leader in the clubhouse right now at one and one. To me, that's one of the most surprising things after week one. I do expect the Colts to bounce back and eventually get on the right track on this division. But this division is bad. Tennessee a year ago was the number one seed at 12 and five. And they already would back open with back-to-back losses. And it, you know, doesn't get any easier. Next week, you play the Raiders, uh, who also imploded last week against the Cardinals. Then you play your division rival a few times, the Colts, Texans, and then the back half of the schedule uh, gets really rough for the Titans. It's at Kansas City. It's Broncos. It's at Green Bay. It's Cincinnati. It's at Philly. It's at Chargers. You know, I don't see Tennessee... Being that good, I just I just don't. I worry about Tennessee. I like Mike Brabel as a head coach. I think he's terrific. But Ryan Tannehill, he's got to, he's got to go. He's not the starting quarterback anymore. Uh, I've had enough of seeing him in the Tennessee uniform. I think Traylon Burks is going to be a great wide receiver, but he clearly needs another year. Offensive line needs to get more healthy, and I think something's up with that in the Derrick Henry combination uh, because the Titans just got embarrassed. There's a lot to fix, and now it's time to start panicking if you're a Tennessee Titans because it doesn't look good. Uh, it does not look good for the Titans, uh, and thankfully – we don't get to see them uh, on primetime television until at Kansas City. 
and that might be one you need to flex that week because uh, that might get ugly too. Now moving on to the other Monday night football game, which was the Vikings and the Eagles. And this was one I got right. I said, give me Philadelphia, give me any other team other than the Vikings and con artist Kirk Cousins, who does not show up in primetime games, specifically Monday night football games. And boy, was I right, and boy, did that one feel good, because there's a lot of people in the media loving the Vikings, hopping on the Viking train, uh, telling me how good Kirk Cousins is, how underrated he is. And the real Kirk Cousins came out to play yesterday. That was Kirk Cousins. He was just awful, 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 awful. He made one good throw to Irv Smith. Irv Smith dropped it. I'll give him that one. But other than that, Kirk Cousins was abysmal yesterday. He was he was downright bad. QBR of 17, he, 221 yards throwing the football, took two sacks. But the key was three interceptions. Three interceptions. That just can't happen. Uh, it looked like he was targeting Darius Slay more than anyone else yesterday. That's how bad he looked. And it's inexcusable when interceptions are in the red zone. That, again, just can't happen. Uh, You know, three, two of the interceptions were in the red zone, and all three were on the Philadelphia side of the ball. You know, you go into half, and it's, you know, 24-7. You get the ball back. So the game's not over yet, but you got to play with some urgency. And they have a great drive downfield. And Kirk Cousins with just a bad, uh, you know, throw. Uh, Justin Jefferson with not a great route. That combination. Darius Slay intercepts it. Then on the ensuing drive, the Vikings defense steps up and they block the Philadelphia field goal. They block it and they return it, you know, all the way down to the Philadelphia 30. So they're already in field goal range. But third and seven, what do the Eagles do? They blitz Kurt Cousins, bad throw, another interception. And later in the game, again, they're up to Philadelphia nine after Jalen Hurts throws an interception. And Kurt Cousins throws another pass to Darius Slay. Darius Slay at the second uh, in nine on that drive should have had the interception. He dropped it, but then Kurt Cousins throws it right back to Darius Slay, and this time he intercepts it. He was awful yesterday. Uh, this was the Kurt Cousins that you just can't trust. In big games when people were picking him to win the division, Yes, he'll play great in a morning or afternoon slot against the Packers. He'll show up at home. But prime time, he will not show up. That is who Kirk Cousins is. That's who we've seen. And you see the Vikings now. It's There's a reason why Kevin O'Connell explored a little bit of a trade. When he got there, was, you know, there's got to be somebody there than Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins will show you just enough to get his money, and he does. 
you know, to me, the most overrated quarterback in terms of guaranteed money. The fact that his contract was guaranteed, I think, three years, $84 million guaranteed. It's just sick. It's sick uh, that he gets that. But again, there's no better option because Kirk Cousins has always been that middle-of-a-pack quarterback where they have good teams. I think you stick Tom Brady on this Vikings team. You stick Aaron Rodgers. They're 2-0. You know, the Vikings easily handle the Packers. And, you know, the Vikings beat the Eagles as well. If they had a good quarterback, if they had a top-10 quarterback, Kirk Cousins is not that guy uh, on the football field. He's con artist Kirk for a reason. That's why other primetime games this year, I won't be picking him. I don't care if it's against Mac Jones on a Sunday night because he does what he'll do best. He will lose that game. So, Kirk Cousins... It's not that guy. Uh, Darius Slay, I thought, did an excellent job on Justin Jefferson. Justin, Justin Jefferson. A lot of hype surrounding him. He had 12 targets, but six receptions, 48 yards. Darius Slay uh, did a masterful job. You know, Nick, I'm going to give a lot of credit, too, to Nick Sirianni, coach of the Eagles. He took notice of Justin Jefferson, how good he was last week, and he wasn't going to let you know, Justin Jefferson run wild like the Packers did a week ago. Eagles did a great job in containing him, having eyes on him. And Darius Slay, I just can't say enough about how good he was, how extinctive he was, looking at the quarterback, reading the quarterback, and just making those big plays yesterday for his team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, That defense was really good. They brought that house more than usual, and they got to Kirk Cousins. Uh, made him feel uncomfortable in the back, in the pocket. And that's the key uh, to really unraveling Kirk Cousins in that offense. But on the flip side, I thought Jalen Hurts played a great game. A QBR of 78, uh, 333 yards passing, uh, touchdown throw, and then running the football, 57 yards, two touchdowns. I don't know if the Vikings forgot that Jalen Hurts is a little dual threat. Is he as quick as Lamar, as quick as Kyler Murray, as fast as Lamar? No, but Jalen Hurts still got some legs, and you've got to account for him. And the Minnesota Vikings did not, you know, at all, like one snap. It was Jalen Hurts roll out to the side, and, you know, if you've got a guy down there, he'd make the accurate throw. But... If not, he'd run around and scamper for five yards, ten yards, get the first down. And so uh, Minnesota Vikings defense has to do better for game planning against dual threat quarterbacks because uh, they're not going away. Um, you know, you're going to see Justin Fields later this year. We're going to see Tua, uh, Kyla Murray, Josh Allen. Uh, so we're going to have to be ready and be prepared to face uh, quarterbacks like that in teams that are deep and, you know, not the Packers in the first week of the season. Uh, Vikings showed that they are, you know, to me, just smoke and mirrors. It was one good week. That's kind of used to what we're seeing from the Vikings. But to me, what I learned from Philly is they're a legit team. This team is for real. Uh, this is a team that's going to win the NFC East. Uh, with Jalen Hurts playing like that, with the defense playing like that, A.J. Brown 
Devontae Smith was involved as well. Uh, Dallas Goddard, I mean, he was distributing the ball to everybody. It was those guys. It was Quez Watkins. It was Pascal Gainwell was involved. Miles Sanders in the passing game. So Philadelphia did a great job. Again, great credit to Nick Sirianni and what he did too. But the Bucks made a move yesterday, moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they went out and signed Cole Beasley today with a practice squad. And, you know, they hope that um, he can join uh, the team soon. You know, they're at a need for wide receiver since their wide receiver room is unhealthy. Right now, they got uh, Julio Jones dealing with a knee injury, Chris Godwin with a hamstring injury, who knows when Bill returned, and then Mike Evans is dealing with a one-game suspension, which I'll talk about after that, after this. But I think Cole Beasley can be productive. Uh, you know, last year, only 693 yards, which, again, is, you know, not the greatest, but it's not that bad either. Uh, he got cut, was in the dog pound uh, because of his very vocal anti-vax rant and viewpoint, which I believe led to his ultimate demise. But I think at 33 years old, he can still bring a little juice into the slot, which is, you know, uh, Tom Brady's safe check down throw is to the guy in the slot. It was Gronk, it was Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. He likes to throw to the guys in the slot. And I think he'd like to throw to Brashad Perryman, uh, but he's not 100% reliable. Scotty Miller as well. He is one of the fastest receivers in the league, but his route running isn't great. His instincts, his hands. So it's just the speed there uh, that we see, whereas um, Cole Beasley was one time, you know, one of the better upper echelon kind of slot wide receivers in this league. Uh, you know, with Dallas in 2016, Dak's rookie year, he had 833 yards and five touchdowns. You know, just two years ago with the Buffalo Bills, he had 967 yards, which was his career high. He also had four touchdowns that season. Uh, he had, you know, 82 receptions on 107 targets and kind of like back-to-back years. So I think Cole Beasley can still bring some value if he's healthy uh, to a team like the Bucks. Um, he finds a way uh, to get open. He can get first downs, and I think that's what Tom Brady needs. He wants a veteran, and they're right now while his team is healing up. So I think this is a great sign and a great move for Tampa Bay. I'm not overly concerned about Tom Brady and this Tampa Bay team while they deal with those injuries on the offensive side, offensive side of the ball, because I think their defense uh, is in a shoulder of a brunt of the load, and they're looking really good, and I think they can carry uh, the offense until the offense gets healthy and can catch up. But bringing back to the Mike Evans suspension, which he is appealing, and for good reason, too. Uh, you know, did he have, you know, kind of 
the action that went over the top and, you know, uh, knocked Marshawn Lattimore down. Yes, but there was so much involved in that incident. To me, to only suspend Mike Evans, you know, you had a plethora of guys there. To me, a fine is, to me, all that should be needed. I'm glad that he's appealing because you had Tom Brady, you know, John to Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore and Leonard Fournette. You also had Bruce Arians on the sideline yelling at Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, and then all the teams kind of brawled. It's, you know, um, Mike Evans had the push on Lattimore. But then a Saints player, I don't know who he was, but he kind of put Mike Evans in a headlock and was trying to throw him down. So there was a lot to this, and I know several fines were handed out. But to just suspend Mike Evans for his action, I know there's a They'd say there's a history there that warranted this suspension. But the last one was in 2017. It's, you know, do we want to keep things on records from 2017 if the past five years have been relatively clean? It's, you know, that shouldn't be taken into that heavy account if it was, you know, a suspension last year that happened with Marshawn Lattimore. I get it. But trying to say Mike Evans is a repeat offender is an absolute joke for something that happened five years ago. It's like if you get something, you know, if you get a speeding ticket or, you know, something minor, you know, just a minor fender bender or accident, that usually goes off your insurance in like three years. Uh, you know, rates go back down, you know, and are you a repeat offender for getting one ticket? No, but it affects you for three years and that's it. So I don't think we should hold Mike Evans to this repeat offender status for something that happened in 2017, total different circumstances. Uh, so I'm not fine with the suspension. I think it finds all that necessary. And, you know, to me, it wears nothing malicious about it, you know, at all. Yes, these two have had bad blood, but the biggest incident was 2017. So that's not something I'm going to have charge Mike Evans as some sort of repeat offender or dirty player at all. Now moving on to my top 10 teams in the NFL through two weeks. Number 10, the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, they are back. Uh, on the winning, you know, winning side of a ball this week after beating uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, great uh, game uh, by the offense to Cooper Cup, just somehow always getting, you know, involved there. You know, he's fourth in receiving yards right now uh, with 236. Uh, he is just great. Uh, in terms of that and just getting open, uh, the offense, you know, as a whole, I think can do better in terms of, you know, Matthew Stafford, not throwing interceptions, you know, but I think this team is still talented. We'll be able to win some football games uh, with Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. It was nice to see Allen Robinson uh, get involved for a change. Uh, and then, you know, for the most part, protect Matthew Stafford as well. So to me, the Rams are number 10 
Uh, still have some room to improve. Matthew Stafford needs to cut down on the interceptions. Already five in two weeks. Uh, the defense has to play a little better as well. Letting Atlanta uh, come back like that near the end uh, is definitely worrisome. Uh, but this is, you know, the defending champions with the stars on their lineup. Uh, they're fine there at number 10. Number nine, the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, they are at nine. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo back, your quarterback, is great to me. There's no adjustment there. You have to worry about, you know, scheming or anything like that. Yes, most of the trading camp and offseason was through Lance, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do just fine there at quarterback. I think we get a Debo that's going to be much more involved in the offense now. Uh, and then when George Kittle comes back, this will help the offense. And then defensively, uh, this has been one of the best defense uh, through two weeks. Best defense in terms of total yards. Uh, allowing 210 yards per game so far. Uh, and then in terms of points here, number four at 13. Uh, so this defense is legit. Uh, there's playmakers back there, and they're kind of the anchor of this team so far. Uh, right there, kind of similar to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's number nine. Number eight, the New York Giants. Yes, somehow they're number eight after a 2-0 and start to this season. And right now, in terms of statistics, they have the best running back on their team. He has 236 total yards, uh, which leads the league. He has two rushing touchdowns, or one, he has a rushing touchdown. Uh, he's averaged 118 yards in the first two games, uh, 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, he looks great, even receiving as well. Uh, Brian Dable has done a great job with Daniel Jones, one I didn't think he could do, uh, but that team is playing really good. And then defensively, uh, the defense, I thought, is very surprising. They're uh, able to get after the quarterback. They're uh, able to hold their own. And to me, they're one of the better defense, you know, right around that fringe spot, around the 10 in terms of, you know, total yards allowed. And they're only allowing 18 points, too. So this New York Giants team is good. Uh, to me, it's just, are they going to hold up? Is Saquon going to stay healthy? Those are the questions moving forward. Number seven, the Green Bay Packers. They got back on the winning train. All it takes is a visit to the Chicago Bears. And that will do it. Uh, after a week of looking dead in the water, uh, they look great offensively there against the um, uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, right outside, you know, I think they're 11th in terms of yards per game, 376 so far. Uh, you know, points are a little worrisome. Uh, but then defensively, they're in the top 10 as well. Uh, 311 yards per game, 16 and a half points per game allowed. So, yes, it's two weeks. It's still early, but it's Aaron Rodgers. He came back with a big win. Aaron Jones looked much better in that second game as well. They operated at a very high level. And if they can just continue this, I think that'll be big uh, for uh, 
Aaron Rodgers and uh, the Green Bay Packers moving forward. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, they lost, but they still do a lot of things right. Uh, Justin Herbert is fifth in terms of passing yards, uh, 613 passing yards. Uh, He's thrown for six touchdowns, which is great. He's got a high QBR of 70, a passer rating of 112. So he's playing great football right now, played through injury as well. Uh, with the, you know, cracked ribs there. Uh, and then just his team as well, uh, in totality offensively, is really good. Uh, they are 10 in total offense. They're at 378 yards a game. They're scoring 24 points. Uh, that's great. And then defensively, they're able to get after the quarterback as well. Uh, They're doing a much better job at stopping a run, which was something they had trouble with last year. Uh, You know, they're only, you know, allowing 70 and a half rushing yards per game. So the addition of Khalil Mack has been great. Uh, Joey Bosa back there. Uh, You know, they just happened to lose to Kansas City on a Thursday night game in Kansas City. That's tough to play, a tough place to play. But I think overall, Los Angeles Chargers are a great roster. Uh, still early in the season, I'm still high on what they can do. Number five, the Miami Dolphins. Yes, the Miami Dolphins to me have made quite a leap. They are two in terms of offensive yards uh, so far, 427, uh, tied for fifth in terms of points per game at 31. Tua has played just outstanding in his first two games. He leads the league in passing yards at 739, uh, has a very high QBR 85, and a passer rating of 116. So, yes, Tua is really good. And then in terms of receiving, Tyreek Hill is leading the league in receiving yards after two weeks, 284 receiving yards. Uh, right there to go along with two touchdowns. Jalen Waddell is three at 240. He's got three touchdowns. This is a very dynamic offense with Mike McDaniel. It showed in a big comeback win to the Baltimore Ravens uh, as well. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones on defense. So, yes, Miami is looking like a top-tier team right now. Number four. The Philadelphia Eagles, yes, the Eagles also look really good to me. Very surprising for how good they look. They are the number one team in terms of offensive yards per game. And again, tied with the Dolphins for 31 points per game. Jalen Hurts, his production looks really good. He's improving the addition of A.J. Brown. has clearly helped space out this offense. And then defensively, they're really sound. Uh, this is a really good team in the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of people forget they made the playoffs last year uh, because they absolutely got smoked by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this is a team that's continuously improving, uh, continuously ascending, and they're looking like one of the better teams in uh, not just the NFC, 
but the NFL of the Philadelphia uh, Eagles are a strong team. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs, another team that has had a blistering offense through two weeks. They are fifth in terms of yards per game, 403, and they are tied for second with the Detroit Lions at 35.5 points per game. The offense has been electric. Patrick Mahomes has been Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, there's very few players like Patrick Mahomes. He's six in terms of uh, passing yards per game at 297. He's throwing uh, seven touchdowns so far. He has a QBR of 82. And the highest passer rating in the league at 127. So there's not much to complain about if you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, because he has been absolutely fantastic. The only concern I have about them is their defense. Uh, to me, their defense has seemed to regress just a bit from the past couple of years. Number two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, offensively, things haven't been great, but Tom Brady has made some big-time throws. People want to talk about an aging, declining quarterback. But you also got to factor in that he's played two of the best defenses to open up the season. And on the road, too, he hasn't had a home game, which is very rare. Most of the teams have had a home game so far. He hasn't first game. He had to face Micah Parsons. And Micah Parsons is leading the league in sacks and pressure so far after two weeks. He's looked great. And then the second week, he had to go to New Orleans to a Tampa Bay team and Dennis Allen that have had his number the past two years. And they've pulled out a win, and Tom Brady made some big-time throws. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been a steady force back there running the ball. He's been great. And then defensively, Tampa Bay is one of the best. They're fifth in terms of yards allowed, 276. And they're number one in terms of points allowed per game. Uh, 13 points allowed so far. through two games. That's a six and a half point clip. That's great. Their run defense is good to me. Their pass defense has also been much improved. So this Tampa Bay defense is looking really, really legit. But who holds the number one spot? That is none other than the Buffalo Bills, who simply look outstanding, uh, greater than outstanding after uh the first two weeks. Josh Allen, fourth in yards at six hundred and fourteen, a completion percentage of seventy-five, which happens to be highest in the league, and then three hundred and seven yards per game, a quarterback rating of eighty-seven, uh, which happens to be the highest in the league as well, and a passer rating of hundred and twenty-three, which is the second highest. Josh Allen is making my MVP prediction look really good. And the Bills as a whole is making my Super Bowl or AFC representation also looking good. In terms of offense, we are fourth in offense in terms of yards uh, so far at 302. Uh, They're number one points. Uh, They scored 36 points per game. And then defensively, Again, second in points per game allowed, eight and a half, seventeen just through two weeks, and they're second in terms of yards, two hundred 
and 15. So Buffalo is really, really good. Uh, to me, there's really no holes on this roster. Uh, Von Miller on that defensive line has been a stud. No one really better than him. He's kind of an anchor of the defensive line. Secondary's been good. I think the one thing I worry about with them is their injuries, and I know everybody's dealing with injuries. We talked about Tampa Bay and their wide receiver corps, uh, and, you know, Justin Herbert's dealing with something uh, as well. But the Buffalo Bills yesterday in that Monday night game got banged up. Their cornerback uh, was taken to the hospital. And I hope a, you know, recovery for him, Dane Jackson. You know, he, they said they avoided surgery and he was released, but that hit looked scary. I'm glad he's fine, but you're dealing with that. Matt Milano had a stinger later in the game. Uh, Matt, a couple other guys go down. Gabe Davis already dealing with an ankle. So hopefully that doesn't get him away. But there's a lot of good teams through two weeks, and there's still a lot of football left to be played. So those are my top ten teams through two weeks. The Los Angeles Rams, the 49ers, the New York Football Giants, the Packers, the Chargers, the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and at number one, the Buffalo Bills. So that's it for NFL. Let us move on to college football. And we're a quarter of the way done with the college football season. It feels like it just started, but that season goes by super quick. So how am I looking a quarter of the way through the season? Well, right now, the current AP poll is one Georgia, two Alabama, three Ohio State, four Michigan. And my original top four uh, prediction in the playoff was going to be one Michigan, two Alabama, so I'm right there up the head at number two, three Georgia, and four Ohio State. So all my four teams that I picked were uh, there represented in the top four. And after three weeks, I still believe that to be the case, that my final four prediction looks really good. Yes, I played it safe, but I also played it smart. You had people out there picking uh, Baylor and Texas A&M and Oklahoma and a USC and Clemson, and I just don't see it. Georgia has replenished their defensive side of a ball. Their offense is operating much more efficiently than they did a year ago. Ohio State, uh, yes, had a you know rough first game. Defense, you know, little in shambles uh, against Toledo. But they put up 77 points and 700 total yards. That's nothing to scoff at. Alabama as well. Their defense, Will Anderson, is on the right track. Now, tough game against Texas. But they've rebounded quite nice in Michigan. Their offense operating under J.J. McCarthy is highly efficient to me. You know, right on course with like a, a Georgia type offense there. And then defensively, to me, they're a little better than Ohio State. Uh, kind of right there with how Alabama looks right now. And they have one of the best special teams out of the big four uh, by far. So I see them there. To me, the biggest threat is uh, to my top four, I think Oklahoma, because they look really good. 
but now they're starting to get into conference play. So when they play at Texas or an Iowa State or a Baylor, how are they going to look? But to me, they're the clear biggest threat to my top four. I look at Clemson, and I see an offense that just isn't there. And I don't know if it's going to be there. They got Wake Forest and North Carolina State now back-to-back. But I do see this team slipping up. This is not your typical Dabo Sweeney run, which was, you know, for five years uh, there just a couple of years ago. And then same with USC. A lot of people are talking about USC buying into the hype. I honestly think they have a tough game going into Oregon State uh, this Saturday. That's going to be challenging. I Hopefully they don't overlook them. Uh, but then uh, you have Utah later in the year. That's at Utah. That's going to be USC's, you know, first very crazy test there. Uh, and then last week is Notre Dame. And who knows how Notre Dame looks at the end of the season. Of course, I'm not as high on them as I was to start the season. No, I wasn't super high, but there's still 33 unbeaten teams out there. There's still three quarters of the college football way to go. But I'm very pleased with my top four teams that I picked and how they're performing. I mean, all of them are performing great. Uh, And I think they are uh, right there. I think C.J. Stroud, who I picked to win the Heisman, is kind of right there in the conversation alongside Bryce, Bryce Young. Of those two have been playing terrific. Uh, big week four coming up this week. We'll see what happens. Uh, but the college football season to me is, you know, how I kind of foresaw going so far with my top four teams. But not only that, uh, you know, I thought Clemson and Oklahoma and USC would start strong. I think my biggest surprise is Penn State and Washington. You know, Washington just beating Michigan State. You know, Florida beat Utah. But a lot of teams that had a lot of hype around them have already lost. You know, being the Texas schools, Texas, Texas A&M, Miami. You know, after their losses so far, it's kind of simmered down for them, uh, which is nice to not hear about those schools uh, as much anymore. And last but not least, time to talk about the Lakers, and that is because they signed Dennis Schroeder back to a one-year deal. Uh, Very, I thought, surprising to sign him uh, to a deal, uh, considering he was on the team, you know, not this past year, but the year before. you know, with the Lakers, and it was rather disappointing because the year before his 2019-2020 season with the OKC, he won sixth man of the year. He was playing 30 minutes a game. He averaged 15 points on 47% shooting, and his three-point percentage was really good as well, uh, 39%. Those were kind of all career highs for him. Uh, and then he went to the Lakers expecting a bigger role, and he kind of got that role. Uh, Lakers offered him a four-year, $84 million deal. And he was crazy enough to turn it down, bet on himself it didn't work. Uh, with the Lakers, his points per game dropped from 15 to 12. His efficiency, his field goal percentage dropped from 47 to 44. His three-point percentage took the biggest hit. That was, you know, 39% down to 34%. And he just wasn't a player, didn't fit into the system. So he kind of moved on to the Boston Celtics. 
and played a touch better there uh, than he did with the Lakers in terms of efficiency. Uh, bounced around with Houston as well. But now he's back with the Lakers, uh, talking about unfinished business. But to me, this is a surprising move because we saw Dennis Schroeder on the Lakers. And it's weird now because they have Dennis Schroeder, they have Patrick Beverly, and they have Russell Westbrook, all point guards. So to me, some of this doesn't make sense from a personnel perspective that they're all point guards. None of those three guys can be on the floor at the same time, especially Schroeder and Westbrook, two guys who are a liability defensively. Uh, and then offensively, it's, you don't know what to expect. So to me, it doesn't make sense why they would bring back Dennis Schroeder, uh, especially with Westbrook and uh, Patrick Beverly on the team. There are still rumors surrounding the Russell Westbrook, you know, uh, trade. You know, is it still possible? And I think you just got to trade him. Even if you get nothing in return, even if it's just a salary dump, you got to get rid of them. I think just for this year, then you can really assess your team. You eat up whatever dead cap hit you have to eat up. And then next year, you've got money to work with. Yes, you've got LeBron and his extension, which still handicaps you to an extent. But you've got much more money next year to work with if you trade Westbrook and just get, you know, out from under him. Because he's going to do you more harm than bad. Uh, yes, Darvin Ham wants to preach a certain way, but it's just not going to work with Russell Westbrook. We saw it last year in this team. They didn't even make the play-in, which is rather embarrassing because that's 10 teams. I think this year they will still struggle to make the play-in. So who knows? But I don't think it's a wise signing with Westbrook still on the roster. Maybe it signals a Westbrook exit. We'll see. But just one other note on the Lakers. LeBron posted a picture on his Instagram this morning on his story. Him bald. I don't know if that was a filter or not. I think it was because it didn't look too great. But I think it's time, LeBron. You know, join the stars of Kobe and Michael Jordan. Go bald. Go crazy. Get another ring. That's my advice to you, LeBron and Lakers. Uh, But I'll be back later this week talking about more football, week three NFL, uh, week four college. Be exciting. Uh, See if we learn some more about any of the top teams in either college football or the NFL. Some big games as well. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.